tonight and just being ministered to by this wonderful gift. We know he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He does that because they perfect the saints so that the saints can do the work of the ministry, which is going to edify and build up the body of Christ. Linked up church, let's receive the ministry gift of Pastor David Crossley. You all can be seated in the presence of God. Thank you. Thank you all for receiving me as family. I feel like it's home. Uh, I want to say that I love and thank the Lord. He does all things well, doesn't he? Amen. Also want to thank Pastor Gregory. Now, you just got an abbreviated version of our history, but, um, you know, the history is long and uh, it's been wonderful. I certainly appreciate him and his leadership, Um, seeing something great in me at 15, 16 years old and challenging that, challenging me to 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 develop and to grow a a young man who was uh, who was wayward and challenged in other areas. But he challenged me uh, to be a man and all of us, really. The youth department grew to great heights because of that camaraderie. He really um, he, he forced us really to, to love each other, to be a unit, to be a super organism. And that's what we had and that's what we are still to this day. Uh, you can go on Facebook right now and mention G5G and you get <laughs> the post wouldn't stop with people uh, commenting about their experience and also about what your pastor has meant to all of us. And so um, <clears throat> I do want to take that moment. And that's a great place for you all to shout and say amen for the ministry gift of your pastor. You know, sometimes it requires other people to come in. Uh, and I know you guys honor your pastor, but really to come in and show you and really talk to you about the kind of impact he's had on people across this world. Definitely across the nation, but across the world. Uh, we will come to support. We will come out for Pastor Gregory. <laughs> okay. And um, it's his leadership. It really is. It's his leadership and his, the value that he sees in people. And he pours into people because he values them. He values you all. And so uh, I, am, I, would not be, I would not have accomplished anything that I have in ministry had it not been for him. And I, and I, I'm, I honor that. And I thank you for that. He and his wife, uh, Minister Trish, and their children certainly love them. I want to give honor again to my wife. <clears throat> and um, she is... Why don't you stand up, honey, please? I know. She's like, don't make me stand up. I just want everybody to see the, the kind of eyes. I got good eyes. A brother know beauty when he see beauty. That's all. I just want to say that. But uh, she's been a blessing in my life. You know, I uh, walked into a restaurant, random restaurant, <clears throat> in 2011. And um, I opened the door for a woman because I'm chivalrous and I'm a gentleman. And Pastor Gregory also taught us that. All the men that came up on the Pastor Gregory knew to open doors around women. That's what he taught us. And I carried on. It was a mainstay in my life. And I opened the door for this woman who was looking down in her purse. And she looked up and she said, oh, a gentleman. You know, you don't get many of those. And we walked into the restaurant and we began to converse and talk. And she said at the end of our conversation, she said, you know what? My daughter would love you and you would love my daughter. 
now I got the, the mother hookup, the mother to daughter hookup before. <laughs> I, was, I don't want no more parts of the mother daughter hookup, but um, you know, her mother ended up sending me a friend request on Facebook and I searched through those pictures and I saw a beautiful young lady and I said, I know if this is the daughter she's talking about. <laughs> What separateth us now at this point? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so, so at the time she was attending law school in Lansing, Michigan, which is about an hour away from where I lived. And um, I literally drove to Lansing every day for an hour to have lunch with her for an hour and drive back. Because I had to convince her, you know, because she was in law school. She didn't want a relationship. She wanted to focus. And I'm like, baby, I will help you study. I, I will. What, what can I do? I will help you focus. Trust me. I won't be a hindrance. I'm going to be a blessing the whole way. <laughs> I convinced her. And um, we got married in 2013 in March. And um, March 29th. And so, our, and so it's been a wonderful time. Our daughter, like Pastor Gregory said, is almost two. She'll be two in October. And uh, my wife graduated just past summer from law school. <clears throat> and so she did all of that, got married, had a baby during law school. And, uh, you know, we supported each other. She supports in ministry. She's in ministry with me. And also uh, I certainly support her vision and her call in law. And uh, so it's a beautiful, beautiful matrimony. It's a beautiful connection. Thank God for my mother-in-law. Thank God for her. Praise the Lord. Why don't you grab a neighbor by the hand? Say neighbor. Our God is mighty. Our God is merciful. Our God is kind. He has a plan for your life. And it is great. Get another neighbor by the hand. Stretch across the aisle. Let's get friendly. I know y'all friendly in Atlanta. See, I have to do this in the north because we're not as friendly. But say neighbor. I came here today to learn more about God's plan for my life and I declare that I will not leave here the same way I came get one more neighbor one last time one last neighbor mix it up get somebody you haven't seen show them them pearly whites all even if they're not yours show them to say neighbor I hate to disappoint you but I'm not perfect I'm not there yet But guess what, neighbor? Neither are you. So I'm in good company. But by the grace of God, we are getting better all the time. Now lift those hands up to your heavenly father. Say, Father, my heart is open. My ear is inclined to your word. Open the eyes of my understanding. Let me know and understand the plan and design you have for my life. Say, Lord, lead me, guide me, walk with me, step by step, hand in hand. I am yours and you are mine. Help me love you more today than I did yesterday. Say, Father, you are welcome here. Father, you are indeed welcome here. We thank you. We yield to your presence. We thank you that your presence is already here ministering to us as we have ministered to you in worship. 
We thank you that you fully reveal yourself to us tonight. Reveal everything that you desire for us to know. We lean upon your presence now and your ability and not our own. We thank you that your spirit is here and your word is present, Lord. We thank you for the spirit of God that's your agent in the earth to bring us into full understanding of all of our inalienable rights as children of the kingdom of God and citizens of that heavenly habitation. We thank you, Father, today that you will reveal by your spirit to each and every person more of your desire, more of our purpose that you've placed in our lives in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. Walk up and down these aisleways and touch our hearts, renew our minds, change us, transform us make us different make us new and we thank you that you also is the you were the voice box of the spirit and you will not speak of yourself but you will speak again that jesus is still saving that he's still healing that he's still delivering hallelujah lord we thank you for your word your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path the entrance of your word brings light We're asking you to shine the light of your glorious gospel on our hearts today and reveal to us your purpose in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, help me to speak your word as boldly as I ought to speak it, making known the mysteries of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which are hid in glory for us. Give me the tongue of the learned that I will speak a word in due season to them that are weary. Make my tongue the pen of a ready writer that I would write upon the tablet of the hearts of men and women tonight. What is your indelible, your infallible, and your unchangeable word for this season in our lives? And we will all be careful to give your name all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, please. I'm going to minister to you all today about the rest of God, entering into the rest of God. I plan to impart something good into you. That's my desire, not to just teach, but to impart. You know, you teach what you know, you impart what you are. I hope to impart something into you today that will trigger, that will transform you, that will calibrate your mind to your spirit so that you can effectuate all of the will of God in your life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11 says, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Praise the Lord. The scripture tells us to be diligent really to enter into that rest. Now this entire chapter here of Hebrews chapter 4 is talking about the children of Israel and why they could not access the first generation could not access the promised land and Paul here says that he said that let us labor let us labor therefore to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example or bad example of unbelief. You know there is a rest and there is a that rest. And he's talking about that rest. This rest that he's referring to is for them a natural rest. And obviously we translate everything from the Old Testament spiritually into the New Testament. But for them there was a rest reserved for them on their promised land. The first generation could not enter. They fell short of accessing that rest, Paul said, because of unbelief. He said, for us, though, to be aware, 
Let this be an example, using this really as an admonishment to us for us not to fall after that same bad example of unbelief and by doing so, forfeit our right to the rest that's reserved for us on our promised land. Amen. So there's a rest and there is a that rest. But what does rest, where does rest come from for the believer? Okay, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians, the second chapter, there is a rest. Then there is a that rest, that rest that Paul is referring to is only available on the promised land. They could not access it. You know, the first generation came out supernaturally, right? They came out. The scripture says they came out with silver and gold, right? They came out. The scripture says there was no feeble people. No one was sick when Moses led all of the children of Israel that were enslaved to Egypt, out of Egypt, they came out supernaturally. They came out with a bang, right? They came out, God did it miraculously for them. And God led them also through a sea. The waters of the Red Sea formed a wall and they walked on the bottom of the floor of the sea. The waters collapsed and consumed their enemy. Everything God did supernaturally. By night, they were led by a pillar of fire. By the daytime, they were led by smoke, right? They were led to really out of Egypt, which is synonymous with you coming out of sin. Egypt is sin. Egypt is the world. Egypt is what God delivered you out of, right? God delivered them out of Egypt supernaturally, just like he did you. The greatest miracle that ever happened in your life was that when you were born again, you were immediately translated out of darkness into the kingdom of God, into the light. Praise the Lord. And you became a child of God. That happened to you as a miracle. It was supernatural. You were you were blasted out of darkness into light. Hallelujah. God brought them out of Egypt, brought them out of bondage with silver and gold, brought them out of bondage with none feeble among them, led them through the Red Sea to a wilderness that was supposed to be, everybody say supposed to be, a temporary solution. They came out of Egypt, which is fantastic. They are a stone's throw away from the promised land. They're camping out in the wilderness. Praise the Lord. They sent 12 spies in the land. 10 of them came back with the evil report of unbelief. Wicked, the Bible calls it. Wicked report of unbelief. Joshua and Caleb said that Let's mount up tonight. Let's go. We are well able to go tonight. The grapes are as big as, a, as, big as your head. <laughs> the land flows with milk and honey. It's everything that God told us that it will be. And we are well able right now. Yes, there are inhabitants in the land. They are, there are giants in the land. But if the land is ours, we can take it now. But the first generation, including Moses, dies in the wilderness except Joshua and Caleb. Where does rest come from? Ephesians chapter 2, are you there? Verse 12, 
that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 14, for he is our peace. Everybody say peace who have made both one and have broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. Jesus has become our peace. Well, what does that mean? Obviously, we know peace is the word shalom. It means nothing missing, nothing broken wholeness right Jesus has become our wholeness he has become our shalom and the scripture here says that in his body on the cross on the work through the work of the cross he engrafted two types of people he did two things by becoming our peace the first thing he did was he reconnected humanity to God Where was the first disruption of peace? It happened in the garden, right? When sin came, there was a disruption of the peace between God and man. You see Adam, the moment they sin and God came to visit Adam, where are you? Adam is now exhibiting behavior that he never exhibited before. I'm afraid, I hid, we sold fig leaves together, we made ourselves coverings. He was, in essence, born again. He was born out of light, into darkness and as a result of the law of genesis which is everything produces after its own kind he and and eve produced fallen man we were all born into sin here comes jesus being our peace see the one the first and main work of the devil is to bastardize humanity from the father Jesus comes in the flesh to reveal the father and to reconnect humanity back to its origin who is God the father he became our peace and reconnected humanity who were bastardized back to the heavenly father that's the first thing the second thing he did was brought two types of people into one body the two types of people were Jew and non-Jew He became our peace, broke down the walls, the partition, the separating walls that separated us from God and separated Jew from Gentile into one body. And as a result of peace, see, Jesus is your promised land. As a result of peace, you have in this land rest. Rest is available for you. In fact, it is reserved for every person. that are indigenous to the land everybody say this to me say I am the indigenous people of the kingdom of God see he came to establish a rulership called the kingdom of God Jesus walked the earth for three and a half years in his ministry and he established the borders of his kingdom The culture was established. He discipled 12 and left them this culture, left them this kingdom. But when Jesus walked the earth, he was the only person that populated this kingdom that he created. 
Remember when Jesus called his disciples and Nathan came and said, you know, he said, called him an Israelite. He said, in you, there is no guile. He said, you think you've seen something, but up until this point, you haven't seen anything. For from now on, you shall see an open heaven on the son of man where angels ascend and descend. He was talking about the moving, the moving mobile kingdom of God. See, the thing about the kingdom of God is it's as big as it needs to be and small enough to be in you. Because it's spiritual. I want y'all to catch what I'm saying by impartation. The kingdom is spiritual. The spiritual realm has no distance. It's not divisible by time. So it can be as big as it needs to be and also as small enough to be in you. Didn't Jesus say the kingdom will not come with observation? You won't be able to say low is there. I'll catch a plane to it. I'll catch a boat to it. No, he said the kingdom shall be where? In you, in you, you are the indigenous people of the kingdom of God. This is where you come from. You're not trying to be spiritual. You are. Hallelujah. I felt something right there. You're not trying to get righteousness. You are righteous. In fact, you, can, you can't be any more righteous than you are right now. You can't do enough works to be more righteous than you are right now. You can't sell no bean pies. You can't knock on doors. You can't fast to increase your righteousness. If you could increase it, that means that you did something to earn it. The fact that you did nothing to earn it means that you can't do nothing to increase it. And let me give you, let me let you in on the inside secret. You also can't do nothing to decrease it. You are righteous. You are the indigenous people of the kingdom of God. And this habitation, this land is real. In fact, it is far more real than the things that you see because your Bible says that the things that are seen were made by the things that are not seen. Well, what's in this land? Rest. Physical rest? Sure. Rest from your labor. Rest from your works. See, you didn't work to enter into the land. In the land, however, there is rest. But go back to Hebrews chapter 4. Let me show you something very interesting. Because, see, some people think that the work is done. You can't work to gain this. But once you get in the land, there is work to do. Because he says, verse 11, let us what? Labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Although you didn't work to get in it, there is work to be done when you are on the land. Because see, technically speaking, technically speaking, they were on the land, they were on the outskirts. 
they pitched tents on the outskirts of the land and got comfortable with living in a situation that was intended by God to be temporal. Where in the heart of the land, there is milk and honey flowing. In the heart of the land, there is grapes the size of your head. In the heart of the land, is everything that they would need to cease their labor and to rest. But they had to labor to enter into the what? The rest. So what was the labor? Let's just take their example. If you get into the heart of the land... What's in the land? Giants. Right? When we get there, we are going to, the land is customized for big people. Now, let me tell you something. I'm 6'4", 255. Let me tell you how real the struggle is to shop for clothes. They either make clothes for tall, skinny people. Or short, round people, but never for tall, semi-wide. I, 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 I have to shut the mall down to get a pair of pants. I got to go from one store to the next store. Leave my wife at this store to hold those pants because they kind of fit. Let me go check this store over here to see if I can. It's a struggle. The land is customized for big people. So they had work to do when they got there. Your land, this new land that you've been born again into, requires labor to enter into rest. There's still work to do. I'm going to show you what that work is, however. Because it's not the kind of work that we think. Again, you can't increase your righteousness by works. But there is a labor. One translation says you must labor diligently to enter into that rest. Why? Because there is a thief of rest. It's called unbelief. See, unbelief causes an individual to go in their flesh. To lean on the arm of the flesh. This is what Moses did. He leaned on the arm of the flesh, the report of the ten. That was full of disbelief. And as a result of it, that leader, that great leader died off in the wilderness with everyone else who assumed that unbelief and that wicked report. Amen. Unbelief is the killer of rest because it causes you to go in your own strength. Go to Romans chapter 7. And then we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 4, but Romans the 7th chapter. What is the labor that we're doing? How are we laboring? Romans 7 verse 1, if you're at Romans 7, say I'm there. Verse 1, know ye not brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath a husband, he's given an example about the law. For a woman that hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she's free. 
from the law so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of the sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law. That being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. He goes on to talk about that the law was given for an occasion to sin. You know, the law, the Ten Commandments was not given to mankind by God with the intent that we would live it, that they would live it. God knew that they couldn't live the law. It was given as a measuring stick. See, Paul talks about he talks about the law. He said death reigned from Adam to Moses. Who installed the law? Who did God use? Moses. However, death reigned from Adam to Moses, although they did not have the law. They were still being impacted, unbeknown to them, by the effects of sin and the effects of the law, although they did not have God's measurement and standard. So the best example I can give you of the law is I'm a semi-athletic individual. Y'all like, man, why God give them all that height? Well, Pastor Gregory would tell you, you know, it wasn't to play basketball. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm not not throwing bricks up at the rim, but, you know. But at at one time, I thought I was a pretty decent basketball player. You play in your backyard. You playing in the hood. You playing against equal competition or lesser. Until I went to St. Cecilia. Anybody from Detroit, you know about the Saint. I went to St. Cecilia as a teenager. Young teenager saw Chris Weber up in there and Jalen Rose and all these people. And I'm like, man, <laughs> I am nowhere near this level of competition. That's the law for humanity. See, mankind thought they were righteous in their own thinking up into the law. Here comes God with the law saying, I'm going to show you just how far away, just how much you don't measure up to my standard. And I'm going to let you try to live this so that it can be revealed to you that you can't do it and that you need a savior to deliver you, to cause you to be born again. (laughs) Praise the Lord. This is what the law did. Paul gives us an example of the law. He said you are connected to it unless... He said he uses the woman as an example. A woman that is married to a man cannot divorce that man. However, during that time, the man could divorce her in the middle of the street by saying, I divorce you three times. I know some of y'all in here, I wish it was that easy when I I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. But a woman could not divorce her husband under the law. Unless the only time she could be free from her husband is if her husband died. He says, likewise, Jesus, you have been married to another. Jesus came and abolished, killed off the law. 
is what he did. He came to fulfill it, to destroy it, for you to put it behind you and say, now I'm going to marry you. I'm going to be your spouse. I'm going to espouse you and connect you to me. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus did for you. Thank God he did it because we would still be killing goats and lambs and bulls and shedding blood and trying to keep the Ten Commandments. Thank God he came and said, I have been, I become your commandment. I become your shofar. I become your Passover. Just marry yourself to me and you can enter into the rest that's reserved for you. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus did for those that believe in him. Praise the Lord. But the issue is this. It's just like if you are a woman and you were in an abusive marriage. And some of you all were, have been. And you come out of that place. Like we came, like the children of Israel came out of Egypt. Here's the labor. Like you came out of sin. Jesus brought you out. But you've been accustomed to being abused. There is a conditioning that has happened in you. You can be a woman that came out of an abusive marriage and get with a man that will never harm you, that will love you and care for you, and still be poisonous in the relationship. He can play with you like that, and you like food, don't you? Well, you almost got <laughs> My last husband, <laughs> you know. We come out of, all of us have come out of abusive situations where although God delivered you out and brought you into something new, you carry the vestiges in your mind, the conditioning in your mind of the old place, the old relationship, the old land. And because of it, you can't enter into rest. In the new land, in the new situation, or in the new relationship. Because you've been conditioned. He slapped you in your sleep, so you can't, you like, and he like, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to put my hands on you. He can tell you that 50 million times, but unless you begin to change the conditioning, you will never fully be able to rest in the relationship. If you've been cheated on, get into relationships. You know, and it's, let me check your phone. Let me see your phone. Let me see your phone. This is a new relationship. This people got great intention for you. This person has a wonderful intent for you, for your future, loves you. Wouldn't ever do anything that the former person does. However, the conditioning causes you to not rest. He out an extra 20 minutes in the way you been. Where you been? Let me see your phone. Where you been? Where you been? <laughs> I'm serious. I'm talking real to you, though. This is the conditioning. We came out of Egypt. Go back to Hebrews 4. We came out of Egypt. We came out of our spiritual Egypt into what? Into the promised land. Into the land that is promised to us. It says in Ephesians 2, the commonwealth of Israel. Do you know what commonwealth means? A commonwealth is a king has something and everybody has it equally. There is no division of male or female, black or white, 
Everybody has the same thing equally. You have been you have been brought into this commonwealth of Christ. However, you can live and die on the outskirts of the promised land and never fully access every inalienable right that is yours because of the conditioning from the former life. Hebrews 4. Let's go back. Let me show you. Hebrews chapter 4. Again, verse 11. Let us labor. That makes different sense now until you've done it. Labor. I used to look at it like, Lord, I thought there were no works. Why am I again laboring to enter into rest? Oh, there's a labor to be done. Therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Here is the labor for the word. He's not transitioning here. This is not a new subject. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and it is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There is a labor to be done. When you have been brought out of Egypt, you've crossed the Red Sea. Everything has been done supernaturally. God is leading you. Hallelujah. He's leading you supernaturally. He's feeding you supernaturally. He fed them supernaturally. Water out of a rock. New quail every single morning that they woke up. He was doing everything supernaturally for them. However, they did not fully, their first generation, did not fully access the rest that was reserved for them. So we must labor to enter into that rest. Why couldn't they get it? Unbelief. What was the unbelief? Stinking thinking in the mind. Poor conditioning. They were slaves in their minds. They came out of slavery. They came out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, supernaturally done everything for them. God did supernaturally, but they still had the slave mentality. And they died. The first generation died without ever receiving the rest available to them. The labor is done in the word of God to unseat every demonically induced pattern of thinking in your mind. And to recreate a new conditioning, a new way of thinking. You are no longer slaves to sin, but you are kings and priests, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation that should shoot forth the perfections and the powers of Christ. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. You're not weak. You're not defeated. You are a victor. This, however, requires a mindset change. Because if you don't change your mind, you will be born again and live on the outskirts of your land for 20 years, circling around the land, living in a temporary solution for 20 years, still struggling with sin, struggling with bad habits. You have the victory over that. But the reason why we don't walk in it is because we are slaves in our minds to Egypt. For the word of God, he gives you the benefit of the word here. For the word of God is quick. Anybody know what quick means? It means alive. You ever heard the many old folk we got in here? They cut you, I went out, broke my nail down to the 
quick. What does that mean? It's alive down there. It's a lot of nerve endings. It's very painful. The word of God is alive. It's quick. It's powerful. The word powerful there means it's interactive. It's energetic and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. Listen to how beneficial the word is. It's quick, alive. It's active and energetic. It's almost like we're talking about a person. When the word of God gets in you, it starts. What does a person do? They speak. They're alive. They're active. They're energetic. When that word gets implanted and it takes root, not just in your conscious, man. Because, see, you all are saying amen on the conscious level. And when it gets into your subconscious and you start, you start to operate by the word as second nature. In fact, it is your nature. You will begin to enter into rest. It's quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. If you want something extracted out of your life, the word of God is sharp enough to dig in there, pull it out. Any cancerous mentality, any malignant or benign, any cancerous mentality in you, any bad way of thinking that robs you from rest, you put the word of God on the job, it will extract that cancer from your mind. Sharper than any two-edged sword, watch this, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul, spirits, joints, and marrow. Joints and marrow is just referencing the body. What the word of God does, everybody say, I am a spirit. I possess a soul and I live in a body. The word of God is precise enough to slice down between your soul, your spirit, and your body. Have anyone in here ever wondered whether or not you were truly being led? You feel like you hear something, but you don't know if it's your spirit your mind or your flesh and you go to your pastor pastor I feel like I'm being led but I don't know if it's my flesh if it's my mind or if it's my spirit what the word of God will do for you is it will slice down between those three components of who you are so that you can put the right thing in front the thing to listen to is your spirit the spirit the the, the soul serves the spirit and the body follows like a slave The spirit is in front. The soul, which is your mind, will, and emotion, serves when it is renewed. It serves the spirit, and the body follows like a slave. The word of God slices in between those three components so that you are not confused whether or not what you're hearing is your spirit or your soul or your body. Hallelujah. When it gets in you, it starts that work immediately. So that you can follow the voice of your spirit. Here's the labor. Because see there is trenching that needs to be done in this land. You got to trench this land. It was customized for giants. You got to get it here. You got to trench. You got to make trenches. Because there's a big body of water in this land called the Holy Ghost. And you got to trench in your particular parcel of land to that big body of water. So you can get that water to flow back and water your seeds. Hallelujah water your land water your tree on this land this indigenous land hallelujah oh i feel like preaching tonight. 
spirit in front, it has a voice. Your soul has a voice. Your mind, which is a part of your soul, mind, will, and emotions, your mind has a voice. When you start to logically try to figure things out, that's the voice of your mind. Your will has a voice. It's called drive. It's dangerous to follow drive. Drive, you can be driven to do anything. Always say, I'm led, I'm not driven, I'm led. I'm naturally a driven person, but I had to recalibrate that. I'm led, I'm not driven. Your emotions have a voice. Your body certainly has a, when it wants food, you sitting in a quiet business meeting and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, my stomach is, your body is telling you what, it's speaking, it's telling you what, I want to eat. When you want sex, it has a voice. And depending upon what you feed the most, depending upon if that word has sliced, will determine whether or not you listen to the right voice or not. Because on any given decision, you can choose, you got a, you got a one out of three chance to get it right. And you might take those odds, one out of three. But let me tell you something. If the other two-thirds is marriage and you botch that deal or a business decision and you botch that deal, you're going to wish you listened to the spirit. And all three of these components are closely intertwined to one another. How do you know that? You can have a spiritual experience in worship. It impacts your emotions and it causes you to have a physical reaction of tears. So they're so closely intertwined that it's possible for you to get it wrong if you are not inundating your mind with the word of God. The labor is done by trenching in your mind new ways of thinking. New pathways for the Lord to get information to you through. If you take that old mindset... If you take those old emotions, if you take that old will and drive, and if you are led by the old motions of the flesh of sin, you will shipwreck. But the labor to enter into rest is done by getting in your word, allowing that word that is alive, active and energetic, piercing to the dividing asunder to begin to operate in you, to work in you so that it can separate the voice of your spirit, your soul and your body so that you can put the spirit in the front and be led in everything you do. That will bring about undeniable rest 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 from what trying to make it happen don't you want to rest from that don't you want to rest from your insecurities don't you want to respite from your pride don't you want to rest from trying to figure it out yourself? Don't you want to rest from wondering what they think about you, how they think about Don't you want to rest? Rest is found in labor. We labor to enter into that rest. We trenching. We're sowing seed. We're trenching. We're turning over dirt. What dirt? What are we talking about in your mind, your conscious, your subconscious, your unconscious? Flip that dirt over. That old way of thinking is corrupt. 
flip over that dirt, trench you new ground, new land, so that it can get to that body of water. And as you're planting seeds, you will see that the Holy Spirit, that big, great body of water in this land that you are the indigenous people of, will begin to water every single seed you plant. You will begin to see growth in your life where there was no growth. You will begin to have victory over sin where you struggled with it for 20 years. Victory over bad habits that you struggle with all your life. You begin to see, as the scripture said, first the blade, then the then the full harvest, the full corn in the ear. Hallelujah. You'll begin to see it if you go to bed, wake up, and put in that work. Go to bed, wake up, and put in that work. Go to bed, wake up, and put in that work. Jesus said the seed groweth, and you know not how. Don't focus on the science of the seed. Just put in the work, labor to enter into the rest of God that is reserved for you. And in every situation in your life, every circumstance in your life that we go through and we all go through divers temptations circumstances and trials you'll be able to look that thing in the face and say i rest my case i rest my i'm not worrying about you another night i rest my case i'm not thinking about that situation another night i rest my case i'm not letting you keep me up to two o'clock in the morning i'm going to bed on time i rest my case let us labor to enter into that rest let us now fall after that same example of unbelief uproot that unbelief out of your life praise the lord and seek the lord in your mind and let him have complete rulership through his word because the scripture says that he is the that's why it's alive that's why it's active that's why it's energetic because he is it in the beginning was the word the word was with god in the word Hallelujah. Everyone say, I'm entering into the rest of God. Say it again. I'm entering into the rest of God. I will not fall short of my rest through unbelief, but I'm entering into the rest that is rightfully mine in the name of Jesus. Indeed you are. God bless. God. Praise God. Praise God. Let's all stand to our feet. Praise God. Come on, that's a wonderful midweek meal right there. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Come on, let's just all lift our hands right now. Let's just lift our hands and let's just receive the work that God planted into our hearts tonight. That was a word in due season. And Father, we certainly receive it. It has not fallen on deaf ears tonight. But it was planted into the good ground of our hearts and it will produce some 30, some 60, but some will leave with 100 fold production father, because of the condition of their hearts, father, and their ability to receive it, process it, and then immediately be willing to put in that work. And so, father, we give you the glory in advance for all the good things that will manifest because of what you ministered into the hearts and lives of your people tonight. While you're in that attitude of prayer tonight, if there's anyone in this building, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there is no rest outside of Jesus. I don't know if it could have been communicated any better than it was communicated tonight. 
So the first work you want to do is believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the grave. If that's you tonight, you've never done that, come on back home or come home. Maybe you're that person tonight. Just